Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth that a threat kept at bay poses no danger. The boat belongs in the water, not on the dock. Only when the water gets in the boat does the boat get in trouble. You make sure the world doesn't get in you, but you make sure you're in the world. Absolutely. He doesn't want you to be isolated. He wants you to be insulated by His Word and His Spirit to affect the world. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Treating merely the symptoms of an illness may provide some comfort to a patient, but all the while ignore the necessary cure for the overall disease. And likewise, when the scribes and Pharisees argued that practicing ceremonial law and tradition was the solution for man's corruption, Jesus explained that the practice of evil must be dealt with on the inside on the heart. Let's join Pastor Xavier in a study titled, The Source of Man's Defilement. Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. The Source of Man's Defilement. That's the title of the message. The Pharisees had come to a place of being so rational, so chic, so superficial, that they were attributing outward ceremony to cover up the inward defilement, the true source of the problem. In verses 1 through 9, we have the religious rulers who charge Jesus with transgressing the tradition of the elders. They were questioning the breaking of the traditions. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. They had a special little tradition that the Pharisees, they would get the, the, the minimum of what they call um, a quart of a log or half of an eggshell. And they would put their hands in a certain way. And first they would put their hands upright so the water would, would rush down and all the dirt would go off this way. And then they would tilt them forwards. Being this clean, the water would rush off that way and nothing dirty would go that way. So then they could eat. They would do it before and after. Remember John chapter 2? Jesus at the wedding feast, there was a water pot of the manner for purifying. That's why. Now, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. Wash your hands. You want to eat with dirty hands? Eat with dirty hands. But it's kind of nice to wash them. But it doesn't defile you before God. Might make your food taste funny, but that's about it. But we get so bound up with all these little things that God has never put and we put a greater emphasis on that and we discard what is important to reach people and to communicate the gospel and we're fighting over all kinds of different things and what it is is it puts an obstacle before God. And who are the greatest of fault? Those in the church. Not outside the church, but those in the church. They had all kinds of dumb things. You couldn't walk a certain length uh, for the Sabbath day. You couldn't carry a burden. If you had false teeth, you couldn't do that. Um, I mean, they had all kinds of weird things. A lot of this, as they're talking about, you find in Leviticus. Leviticus is full of the ceremony of, of washing and all that. Leviticus 11 through 13, even further down for the issue that comes out of your body. All kinds of things. But those were more for hygiene, for health, not for ceremonial that it made you unclean spiritually. And so we have to distinguish between the two. In verses 3 through 6, Jesus charges them 
with breaking God's commandment by their traditions. That's interesting. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God? Because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Are your father and mother? And he who curses father and mother, but let him be put to death. That's what the law said in Exodus. You curse your father and mother, you're stoned. Now, if we had those same laws today, we would have no problem with juvenile delinquency. <laughs> Verse 5, you say, whoever says to father and mother, whatever profit you might have and receive from me has been dedicated to the temple. Sorry, mom, you know, you guys are financially in need, but, you know, all the money I have, I've dedicated to the temple, so therefore I can't help you out. And the thing is, the intention was never to really give it to the temple. It was just a false pretense, a loophole. Notice the consequences in verse 6. By saying this is released from honoring father and mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. By this human rationale, all of a sudden, you start with the premise of God, you extend it out, you reason it, you rationale, you make a conclusion, your conclusion ends up destroying your premise. The very foundation, the beginning. It happens all the time. You have made the commandments of God of none effect by your traditions. I wonder how many things we have allowed in our own lives to make the word of God of none effect because of our traditions. And how many other things we have made the word of God of none effect because of the evilness of our heart. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to bow my knee. I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not. What's the problem? My heart. Absolutely my heart. Nothing else. Notice that Jesus exposes their sin in verse 7 and 9. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near with me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Their lifestyle, hypocrisy, verse 7. Actors. I hope you're not an actor. I hope when I talk to you, you're genuine. I hope that you are truly repentant and you mean business with God. Now, I hope you know that I'm not talking about perfection. None of us are perfect. But there is a diligent, willful pursuit of God and an openness of my heart to Him so that He can have His way. So that I become more like Him and less like me. That's my goal. I don't know what your goal is. My goal is not to have a big church. My goal is not to be known. My goal is not to have all kinds of money. My goal is to be more like Jesus Christ. Because if I have everything else, it means nothing if I'm not like Christ. Not only is their lifestyle hypocrisy, but their pretense is outwardly and full of formality. Verse 8. They draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. Here, the word heart appears for the first time. It will appear again as the basic problem, the source of the problem. The heart speaks of the whole man. What he is in character inside. It affects his intellect, his emotions, and his will. 
all that you and I really are at the core of life, not what I appear to be before people, not what I declare to be over the pulpit, but what I am in heart that God sees throughout the day. This is what he's talking about. And so they draw close with their mouth and they honor him with their lips, but their heart is far from God. Pretense, outward formality. All of us can fall prey to that and probably do once in a while. But when the Lord quickens, oh Lord, we repent, we turn from it. Because we're sinners. We, the world has taught us well. The world bombards us with being phony. Look at the television, look at the commercials, look at the magazines, look at the programs that are on. They teach us how to act so we can get whatever we want. How to look so we can appear to be cool in. And we put all this emphasis on this outward stuff. And you know what? We have to be careful as Christians because Christians start falling to the same thing. Now I hope that you understand that I'm not talking about being in fashion. Wear the latest fashions. Get the latest haircut. I'm not talking about that. But how do you act? Do you put the emphasis on the haircut, on the dress? And if you couldn't get it, that bum you out and your eternity's all messed up? Where is the emphasis of your life? In verse 9, he declares their blindness. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Their blindness is that they have taken that which is human and teaching as if it is of God divine. Blindness. He's exposed them. He moves on in verses 10 through 14. Jesus teaches the multitudes in public. He called the multitudes and said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles this, a man. Then his disciples came and, and said to him, Do you know what the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? But he answered and said to them, Every plant which my Father, my Heavenly Father, has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Notice first that Jesus teaches what defiles a man. Very straightforward, verse 10 and 11. First, food doesn't defile a man. Hear and understand. What goes in your mug does not defile you. You eat greasy tacos, oily hamburgers, raw fish, pig's feet, snails, they may give you bad breath, but they won't defile you. You know what I mean? You're all right. But not only does food not defile a man, but he says only foolish words defile a man. What comes forth from the mouth defiles a man. Now, he hasn't gotten to the source. He's just giving you the product of what defiles you. It's the words. Paul the Apostle is very um, straightforward also in Romans chapter 3. If you get from verse 10 to 11, he goes on to the man. There's not, no, not one righteous, no, not one. His mouth is an open sepulcher. His, uh, his tongue is a, a poisonous asp. I mean, he just lets man have it right there. He says man is defiled. He is 
He is just polluted from within. Notice in verse 13, Jesus moves on to teach his disciples that not all who teach are called of God. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. The plant here is symbolic of the false teachers. Not everybody who teaches the word of God is called an anointed of God. But if a man is called an anointed of God, you will know it because the word of God will be coming through pure and it will be a work of God. It does not mean the man is perfect. It does not mean the man cannot be off somewhere scripturally. It means that the man is called, he's anointed, and you see the fruit in the ministry, in his life, and everything else. And the guidance and the checkpoint will be the word of God. And you follow Christ, not the man. Because you have the map book, the scriptures. It's interesting here that Perhaps his disciples here, they thought they were going to inform him about how he had offended the Pharisees and even uh, caution him. <laughs> Lord, Lord, you know, don't, you know, big dudes are here, lighten up. But when you have the truth of the word of God, God help you if you don't speak it forth. God help me. You do it with wisdom, you do it with love, you do it with compassion, but you do it. And you, you don't let the sociological analysis and the psychological pressure have you been with the philosophy of the day. Jesus teaches those who are not called of God are blind. He will uproot them. I don't care how pretty the plant is. If God has not planted it, it's going to be destroyed. Well, how could God, he's so good. The guy, God didn't plant him. Up he goes. From teaching the multitudes in public, Jesus moves on to teaching his disciples in private. And notice the pattern through Matthew, public to private. He comes back to his disciples, verses 15 through 20. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? You say, how, how stupid could these disciples be? They're walking with Jesus, as stupid as you and I. I've heard God tell me that many times. Are you still without understanding, Xavier? So I better be careful what I say about Peter. <laughs> Jesus reproves his disciples for their spiritual dullness. But what was the thing that blinded their spiritual understanding? It was a wrong perspective of the kingdom. They thought they were going to rule. They didn't think Jesus had to die. They thought they were going to throw out the yoke of Rome. They had the wrong perspective. And therefore, their hearing was dull. Let me propose to you that times our agenda for the kingdom is so different from what is prescribed that our spiritual hearing becomes so dull to the voice of the kingdom. And God says, are you still without understanding? Jesus teaches that food does not affect us ceremonially, morally, or spiritually. Verse 17, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? He says, what's food? Food is good for your strength, for nourishment. And after that, God has made a way that it's done away. 
So don't put such heavy emphasis on something that's just waste. Let it go. Food is good for the body. That's what God has given food for. And yet we can put all kinds of things. And you know what, what Jesus was saying was radical. Because remember, the Jews had been brought up with all the ceremonial law. You can't eat this, you can't do that. All through the law. And all of a sudden, he's saying some real radical things. Why? Because he was putting the emphasis on a heart relationship. Well, why did he give it in the law? Because that was the law, and it was for health purposes. We don't need these health purposes today. Later on, when Peter was in the house of Joppa, he got the manner of all creeping things, the vision, and God says, you know, hey, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Oh, not so, Lord. He says, not so, Lord. That's inconsistent. Lord, no. He says, Peter, listen to me. Whatever I have cleansed, don't you ever, ever call it common. Not only was he teaching that the law was put aside, but he was teaching that now God was going to reach the Gentiles, those who they called dogs, without a soul, dirty, defiled. The Pharisees would go through the market, they'd grab their clothes and pick it up, and they wouldn't touch any undefiled people because they come back and they shake off and they go through the ceremony, you know, get cooties from the people in the market. <laughs> you know, some Christians are like that. They live their whole life, home, church, home, church, home, church, and God forbid they should ever mix up in the world because, man, ooh, those sinners out there. If you're like that, you're like an ostrich with your head in the hole. Jesus said, Father, leave them in the world. Don't take them out of the world. He's I send you forth as I was sent forth. The boat belongs in the water, not on the dock. Only when the water gets in the boat does the boat get in trouble. You make sure the world doesn't get in you, but you make sure you're in the world. Absolutely. He doesn't want you to be isolated. He wants you to be insulated by His Word and His Spirit to affect the world. Absolutely. And if we're not careful, we will isolate ourselves more and more and more. And so, foods do not affect us at all. In verses 18 and 19, Jesus teaches the source of defilement. Here is the key to the whole teaching. We've implied it, we've mentioned it, here Jesus nails it. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. You can continue the list. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. First, Jesus, we saw, reproved the disciples for their spiritual dullness. Secondly, we saw that Jesus taught that food does not defile a man, ceremonially, morally, or spiritually. And thirdly here, Jesus teaches the source of defilement. Listen to it well. First, the heart is the source of defilement. Jeremiah 17, 9, I gave it to you already. Deceitfully wicked. Desperately wicked. Only God can know it. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart, for out of it comes forth the issues of life. You make your decisions based on your emotions, your own intellect, you will have no control over your will. But if you make your decisions based on the Word of God, then your intellect will be the fullest, and your emotions will not rule your life, and your will will be subject to God. Because your heart's not divided. 
Genesis 6.5 says that from the beginning, from our youth, and this is before he destroyed the world, that from their youth, their imaginations were evil continually describing man. Now the sociologists and psychologists today, even the Christians want to tell us that man has some good in him. Man has no good in him. None at all. Total depravity of man. He has potential for good, but he has the greatest bent towards evil. You understand what I'm talking about? There's some people who help little old ladies across the street. He has potential for good, but his practice is bent towards evil. And none of the good that we do can wipe out the evil that we're bent to. We're bent that way. Automatically. So the heart is the source or the well, if you will. If the well is poisoned and you draw from it and give to everybody, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to die. And if I draw from my heart, everything that comes forth is going to be poison. Notice the progression. The thoughts of men. This begins the process of evil. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 that we are to bring every thought into captivity that comes against the knowledge of God. It starts at your brain. What do you allow captivate your thoughts? You be careful because they will go on, go on, go on, and before you know it, they are manifested over and over again. Think on these things which are pure, lovely, good. Philippians 2.8. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. I have to diligently bring my thoughts into captivity. I have to force myself to think like Christ. It does not come natural. It comes with the new nature. The actions and deeds are carried out by the various members of the body. Murder, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. And so it begins in my brain. I get a thought of anger. Then I get resentment. Then I get bitterness. Then I get a plan. Then I get vengeance. Then I do it. Then you're dead. But it began in the heart. Then it's stimulated by the thoughts. Get a concordance and look up how many times the Bible speaks about mind, think. Over and over again, God wants you to use your brain through the power of the Spirit, but He doesn't want you to depend upon it in your natural realm. You put on the mind of Christ. And if you don't, you will respond like a carnal man and woman. And you cannot blame anybody but yourself because you have a choice. You have a divine nature and a sinful nature. Just like the pilot's up in the air and he's got that plane going, the law of aerodynamics is in effect. By no stretch of the imagination, the pilot says, well, the law of gravity doesn't work today. All he has to do is pull back on the throttles. He'll fully find out real quick that that plane will be thrust to the ground. It's a choice whether he leaves them or pulls them back. To pull them back would be devastating. For you and I to pull back the throttles of the Spirit of God in our life and not to think as Christ is devastating. Because sin nature will take over immediately. Absolutely. And so Jesus teaches the problem is not what's outside, but inside the heart. The heart. Only the pure in heart shall see God, Matthew 5, 8 says. David cries out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51, 10. Wherewithal will a young man cleanse his ways? In my heart have I hid thy words that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. You've got to hide God's word in your heart. 
Let me close with this proverb. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth that maintaining a pure heart begins by putting on the mind of Christ. And you can request a copy of today's important study from the Gospel of Matthew called The Source of Man's Defilement. It's available on CD for just $4. And everything you heard last time will be included as well. The title to ask for once again is The Source of Man's Defilement, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Does God still reveal Himself to man? Well, next time, Pastor Xavier Reese explains how God employs no less than three types of revelation as we venture further into our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Hope you'll be along. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com